0: Hello and welcome. My name's Ryan Johnson, and you know what this is. It's <laughs> the SaltCast, everybody. You know what hey. it is. I welcome back Danny and Paul. Guys, good morning.
1: You know what I is.
2: <laughs> good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thanks for uh, uh, a giggle this morning. That was good. That was good. I wasn't expecting it. I mean,
0: that's my job almost on this podcast. <laughs> almost. You know. hey, anyone um, that's
1: been around uh, Peisner for even a little while knows that it ain't difficult to make Paul giggle. So
2: This is true. This is true.
1: That's if, part of what we love about him. And right. he's grateful for the
0: giggles. So we'll, we'll keep it up, Paul. I like it. That's why he has that healthy glow about him,
2: you know? Uh, that healthy cause glow? Because he I like time. to giggle. That's right. Listen. There's a, there's a saying around there about something that somebody who giggles or laughs something important happens, you know. So <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it does. You, you get the Other people laugh
1: and it. it's the best kind of medicine, right? Yeah.
2: Laughter is the best medicine, is that what it is? There's some anyway, that was bad. But you we, all where know, we,
0: where, we all where know we all know we all love to laugh and giggle. Yeah, that's the important part. All right. So, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the pillars of a sound sales tax strategy. And on today's pillar, I want to talk about compliance. Cuz compliance may arguably be one of the most important pillars. You know, the the first few, you know, we cover are about nexus, taxability, Use tax, talk about exemption certificates, but then the culmination of them all is compliance. And so I was hoping that you guys could could explain the compliance process, what it consists of, what is compliance, what, what do you need to be aware of throughout the year? Is it something you can set and forget,
2: or is there more nuances to it? Faux. Yeah, the compliance piece is is huge because it's what you are doing on an ongoing monthly basis. It doesn't go away. You know, you tell your friends and colleagues and peers that you're in the sales tax space, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, sounds great. And then around March 15th comes or April, and they're like, oh, you you guys must be super busy now. Well, I mean, like I talked about before, sales tax is a monthly thing, so every month from about the 7th or so through the 20th. That's when the sales tax return filing process is due. It's heaviest, right? You have some returns that are due at the end of the month, the 31st or whatever, but or the 30th. But most of the returns are due around the, of the, the 20th, the 19th or 20th. But that return filing process is huge because, um, in, in my opinion, it can easily get the, to the attention of the owners and officers of the companies if you fail to file a return. Um, It could be a a big audit uh, risk or potential if you're filing returns wrong or you're reporting things incorrectly, um, you're inappropriately taking deductions or exemptions. Um, It it can quickly get flagged and raise the flag at the state for audit potential. But when we talk about compliance, we're we're essentially talking about the sales and use tax return filing process, which once you've established Nexus and you've gotten registered in the state – Then you have that monthly or quarterly, sometimes annual, filing frequency with the state. And so you'll be responsible for reporting all the sales that you made into that state, reporting it on the return, taking any applicable deductions or exemptions on the sales tax return, um, and then reporting the tax that is due for that period. And so the sales tax return piece, like I said, it's probably one of the biggest um, issues and biggest complaints or biggest problems that um, businesses have because it's an ongoing cost of business. And most owners and officers are interested in driving revenue and you know increasing profit and. You know, selling more products, so on and so forth, and they're trying to limit costs. Well, now as a registered taxpayer, not only do you have the burden of collecting the proper rate and making certain that you have exemption certificates in place, all those the other pillars that we've talked about, but now you have to pay or manage uh, the ongoing filing process, which is can be a bear, which can be a bear because all the differing forms and the different requirements, the different filing frequencies, the different online websites, right? It can be a, a big burden for a lot of a lot of sellers. So what
0: do what do businesses do? Do they typically hire somebody that has the knowledge to
2: do it in-house? Like what options do they have to manage it? That's a good question. A lot of a lot of businesses do it differently. You'll have some businesses who will do it in-house. They'll hire uh, a sales tax manager or an accounting manager, and they'll maybe do some property tax, some sales tax returns. They'll manage audits. So you can do it internally by hiring employees and staff to, to manage it internally. You can outsource it to a firm like Pizer Johnson or other accounting firms out there. Um, And then probably, um, uh, well, another one is the software solution. You can hire a software company to prepare and file those returns. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot is the whole uh, you have set it and you forget you forgot it or you forget it. So if you set the returns up through a software, maybe you've forgotten that they changed the form or they changed your account number or they changed your filing frequency. And you've simply forgotten uh, what's going on in the sales tax return filing process. And so the software company is preparing and filing that return for you automatically, but without some attention to it, you um, may be in a lurch there. So those are probably the most three. Danny, would you say there any one is more prominent than another?
1: No, it's really all dependent on, well, not all, but it's oftentimes dependent on the size of the company, yeah. you know their their nexus footprint, as we call it, right? Like how many states they're registered in, how how large is their administrative burden, right? With the yeah. compliance, so we talked to a lot of companies that, of course, are smaller, and they handle it in house. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it usually gets that it outgrows them in a hurry, oftentimes, yeah. and, and in the sense where. You know it's it's not something we often see companies get ahead of right it's certainly not something companies like to spend money on because it doesn't help the top line or bottom line for that matter um you know it's it's just it really is a a burden it's an administrative burden it's a financial burden on companies to to have to deal with it and there aren't you know these great strategies that help you get you know Deductions or, or anything, it really is just a matter of you know finding the best solution and you know something that fits your budget. But yeah, oftentimes it's something where companies start in house and then they'll move it to an outsourced partner like us or a, a software solution. Um, and sometimes it's an and, right? It's the software and the right. outsourced solution. And um, yeah, that's that's a common approach, especially when it comes to rate calculation. yeah uh the the software is incredible for that right it really is a huge value add for companies and but then it's nice to have the human touch um and feel like you know it's more in-house you're more connected to the work that's being done so that's where it's nice to have the hybrid between you know the uh, software and the uh,
2: compliance partner right i was going to say some of our largest clients They do a hybrid approach where um, they'll do some of the sales and use tax return processes or services in-house, and then we'll handle the others. So we have done – worked with some clients who will prepare the returns, and then we'll send the returns back to them, and they'll file and remit the tax, or they'll pay those returns, Um, and then that – We've also worked with clients where they'll handle the audits and they'll handle the exemption certificates, but then they'll outsource the return filing piece. So for large, large companies, maybe Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 1000 companies, whatever they may be, um, you're going to have a hybrid approach where you'll you may use a firm like Pizer Johnson. You may use a big four. So there's going to be you're going to cherry pick essentially based on strengths and what, what resources you have available internally, you, you sometimes will end up in a, in a, um, hybrid solution. So,
0: um, when people are using like a software solution, you know, they tout a lot of automation. And so that, that does give people that mindset of set it and forget it. But what else is there? Like how do people get in trouble with that? Because, yeah, you know, the filing frequency may change, but are there other aspects of compliance
2: that people may not be aware of? The filing frequency change is a big one just because um, the states will notify you that, hey, you're not remitting enough tax or your sales are pretty material, So we're going to move you to an annual filing frequency or the the opposite. You, you got registered and you were filing annually. But you know, business has in, improved, or you've you know grown, and you're selling more, and you're reporting more, and so now they want that tax a lot sooner. You have states like New York and Georgia and Florida who have a, a prepayment, um, and so now they want you to make prepayments. Uh, sometimes monthly prepay, prepayments. sometimes you know states like Illinois that want weekly prepayments. They they need and they want that that those tax dollars much sooner. So filing frequency changes are um, a really big one. And then uh, from time to time, you'll have form changes. They come out with a new form, a simpler form. Uh, they try and you know streamline things a little bit better or simpler. Or you have uh, changes in the regulation or the um, legislation. Um, Colorado comes to mind just because they're an absolute mess to deal with in that they changed how they wanted you to report the sales to Colorado and how they wanted you to report all the local tax um, that the state administers. So now you have all these non-resident or non yeah, non-resident jurisdictions that you're reporting sales to individually. and it just becomes a nightmare. The form changed. it's a different form. it's a different style. And it can be complex. Obviously, it's complex and overwhelming for some, and so using an outsourced provider is a good solution there. So you have a change in the forms, but then you also have states who are constantly trying to update their websites. Everybody wishes that Missouri would update their website and allow for a lot easier filing process, Um, but it's not happening. Pennsylvania was one that recently just uh, went through a big change, and you had to set up a new username and link your account to it. You had to get everything all squared away. It's a good time to refresh all of your information with the state as well through this process, but uh, keeping up with the changes in websites um, that the states are making. Um, The other one that comes to mind with regard to websites is... States like Alaska, who then established the Remote Sellers Commission. So maybe you had a sales tax return that you were filing through the Department of Revenue, but now you're as a remote seller, you qualify as a remote seller. So now you have to register as a remote seller, you have to cancel your sales tax account, you have to register for this remote seller account, and now you're filing through this other website. It's just as, uh, you know, depending on the state, it can be rather cumbersome and overwhelming for many uh, taxpayers. So, so.
0: Would a you know software automation solution
2: alert you to these things? Uh, Not that I'm aware of. I mean, they they can support them and they can handle them, but again, it's something that you have to set up and that you have to um, get them to do. Hmm. I think about Washington. Washington's another trouble state because they have the B and O tanks, and for some. Sellers, when they set up the Washington return through a software or even through a third party, they sometimes and often uh, will forget the excise tax or the B&O tax. Mm -hmm. It's section one of the form. Section two, three are the state and local sales tax portions. And it's possible to report the sales and use tax to Washington without paying or reporting the excise tax. It's possible to do that. Now, I don't encourage it because Washington will come after you for that excise tax. But again, if you don't set it up correctly, and you're not monitoring it to ensure that you know a toggle didn't get switched, or the form change, or the online website change, or whatever the case may be, then yeah, you're you could be in the lurch. You could be in trouble. You could be hurting
0: in the lurch. <laughs>
2: I'm not sure what a lurch is, but I don't Almost, want to be there. Yeah. No, it's like in a pinch. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place.
0: Um, I remember doing returns, you know, in your, your two weeks, and you're you're populating returns, and then you're filing the returns. You're doing the online, But then in between those, you know, then you have two weeks where you are taking care of notices, you know, that's kind of like your, you know, it doesn't stop. It's not like it's a. Uh, you get two weeks break, and you know, we uh, we prided ourselves, especially for myself, is never late. We were never late on filing return, but we still got using your terminology, Paul, coos <laughs> of notices. You know, I remember we yeah. had one guy, one client that would just stick all of his notices for one month in an envelope, yeah, and send some like those little suckers, what are yeah. they called? And some like tootsie rolls, yeah, in the envelope. <laughs>
2: little dum dums or something, little I little think. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you put laffy taffies in there. <laughs> yeah, the notices can be a a burden as well, uh, because no matter how great of a job you do, you could you could do your job just perfect. The problem is, is that you have somebody who's receiving and processing what you're doing. And especially with COVID and the number of state workers that were just working from home. Uh, there was a delay in processing returns. There was a, errors in processing the returns. They may have reported what was on line two. They, they stuck it in line three because they're hand-entering this information. <laughs> so the movement to online filing uh, is crucial there just to help through that process. But, yeah, you you got to gotta be on top of the notices because if you don't attend to the notices, then they, they oftentimes will – will end up in assessments and in liens, and so you file the return, and the payment came out, but the state posted it in a wrong account, or they posted it not to your account or the return or the payment, and so they send out a notice. Hey, you didn't file this, and so it's a constant administration, administrative hassle just to work with the state. Hey no, I did file the return and I did make the payment and here's my confirmation. You, you did something wrong on your end. Go ahead and clean it up. Here's my supporting documentation. But yes,
0: I think, I think you'll also be surprised that usually it's through mail that they're sending updates. It's like, okay, your filing frequency is going to be updated or things like that.
2: Yeah. What else are we
0: missing about compliance?
2: I think that's it. I mean you have the sales and use tax return filing season from you know, as early as the first of the month all the way through the end of the month. Most of them do on the 20th. you got to be aware of who administers that tax, how you go about reporting that tax, uh, if you're required to make prepayments got to stay up on those you got to stay up on the filing frequency changes and most importantly just making certain that the state processes and posts the returns and payments that you submitted and paid um, appropriately and to your account so that you get credit for it so if you don't have somebody who's monitoring and watching the notices then that could put you in a real bind and uh, we have seen where Agents or representatives of the state auditors have shown up and knocked on clients' doors you know, at their office. Hey, I'm here to collect a debt. And they're like, wait, what? We've seen where they've sent uh, notices and liens and everything to the officers at their home address to get some attention to the matter. So uh, the worst thing you can do as a registered taxpayer with a filing frequency is ignore the notices that come in. Uh, just don't do that through the return filing process. Uh, It will just mess your life up. And, you know, as you get, continue to get a number of them, um, liens and things, it just looks bad on your account or on your record. So you just want to do your best to file the returns correctly and make certain that the state does what you tell them to and how you file those returns, I think is most pivotal. Beautifully said.
0: (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I hope that you consider chatting with us through what's next call about your compliant solution. Uh, Because we could be solid pillar for you guys. Uh, Thanks again, Danny and Paul. Always a pleasure. And we hope to see you. you on another
2: one. Thanks, Ryan.